This is It Was a Thing on TV. Spoiler number one is Dr. Lee Franz. It stinks. What is going on? <laughs> what is going on? Episode 61. Submission number 041. Prime time starts at 7.30. Primetime Starts at 7.30 was a programming block initiative by NBC-owned and operated stations and several syndicated outlets that aired during the 1987-1988 season. Okay, so let's go back to the 80s for a moment. The Greed is Good era, the I Gotta Get Mine F.U. era, and nowhere was this more prevalent than the landscape of prime access syndication. Really? Prime access syndication? That that's the hill everybody's dying on? Oh well. Well, first run syndication, Chico, in the nineteen eighties was big business. Oh, it yeah. was it was indeed big business. Yeah, yeah, I mean it, it, most of the eighties and into the early nineties the first run uh, syndication business, especially for comedies, was really booming. Uh, and then it sort of petered out. And then it was tried again briefly, if you remember. This would be about, what, eight years ago now? When anger management was a thing before it went to FX? I know what you're talking about. This was basically uh, the Tyler Perry model. Which yeah. you order well, the- a boatload of episodes and then ru- run them in syndication as well as in ca- on cable. No, well, not just Tyler Perry. You could also include Byron Allen. With, yeah. With his comedies. Our old favorite Byron Allen. Yeah. So in the fall of 1987, NBC decided they were going to test the syndicated waters with their uh, owned and operated stations. With a package of five sitcoms under the banner, Prime Time begins at seven thirty, and I believe the voiceover for—I believe the voice of that block was uh, God. I, I, I it was the guy who does the voice for voiceover for NBC in the nineteen eighties. I know it wasn't Ernie Anderson, but I yeah, because Ernie would be at ABC, so yeah. Just if you remember NBC in the the mid late 1980s, the voiceover guy, you know who you're t- we're talking about. I know exactly who we're talking about. All right, so let me. It was between the it was between the ages of jo- between the ages of Casey Kasem and Joe Cipriano, Steve McCall, Mason Adams, Bill Rock, one of those two things. We'll leave it to our dedicated listeners to let us know who it is. Yeah, someone has to know who, who it was. Okay, I'm I'm guessing it was Steve McCall because he's billed as the voice of NBC's Must See TV. So, if I'm wrong, you can just email us here at the station. What station? Exactly. <laughs> okay, so again, hopefully you get to find a commercial for this because it was really an interesting sort of cross promotion between NBC. And the uh, affiliates. And it would have worked. Well, we'll get to why it didn't work in a moment. But here's what, here's what was on the block. 
five shows, five sitcoms, 30 minutes in length, one sitcom every day. Obviously. And reasonably four entries out of these five. Yeah, reasonably. Uh, the first was on Monday, you had future installment, Marblehead Manor, which featured the husband and wife heirs to a corn oil fortune and their eccentric staff. And I think Greg has something to say about that. Oh, I yeah. know Greg has something to say about that. I, was, I watched the intro. And I was amazed at two people who were on this show. Phil Morris and Michael Richards. Roughly about, what, seven or eight years before they would act again together as Kramer and Jackie Childs on Seinfeld. It's crazy, man. Yeah, seven, uh, seven years. is 94, I think. Yeah, because obviously Jackie Childs was inspired by Johnny Cochran. So. Tuesdays was, Greg, say it with me. She's, She's the, the sheriff. sheriff. Uh, a comeback vehicle for Suzanne Summers, who's who was suddenly appointed to sheriff after A, her husband dies, and B, the commissioner of Lakes County, Nevada, which, by the way, does not exist, but is somewhere near Lake Tahoe, appoints her to the office held by her late husband. So she inherits her husband's title, office, and peace. Yeah. And, and I'm going to add, there's three people on this show besides Suzanne Summers who um, are names that you might recognize. Oh, I recognize one of them, baby. Well, there's two that maybe you recognize. I, I definitely guarantee that you'd recognize two of them. Uh, well, I I, 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 I... I recognize four, but that's only because uh, I watch TV a lot. Okay, who do you recognize, Greg? Uh, George Weiner. Yes, uh, from Spaceballs, playing Colonel Sanders. Uh, but also, George Weiner later went on, and this is actually going to be something we're going to cover on uh, in an episode, uh, which we're calling Show Within a Show. Uh, George Weiner played the uh, director of a TV show called Peas in a Pod, which was... In the episode, in, in the TV show, Married with Children. So we'll talk about George Weiner somewhere down the road when we get to the show and the show entry. But I'm surprised he's the one you recognize. You didn't recognize Pat Carroll? Oh, Pat Carroll. Yeah, of course. Yeah, Pat Carroll's legendary. Uh, and the third name I recognized is Geech Cook. And you're probably saying, who the hell is Geech Cook? Well, he did like a week or two of Match Game in like 78 or 79. But also, he's going to show up later this year in the future installment, Carter Country! Yay! Okay. And uh, the fourth one I recognize, and I can't believe you guys didn't recognize it, was Leonard Lightfoot, who was uh, the Dexter, the pre-Dexter Stuffins in uh, season one of Silver Spoons. can't believe you guys re didn't recognize that. Well, it's season one of Silver Spoons. True. Okay. Uh, on Wednesday was a television adaptation of the play You Can't Take It With You, starring Harry, Harry. Morgan, yep. Lois Nettleton, Richard Sanders, Lisa Aleph, Heather Blodgett, and Theodore Wilson. Ooh, that's a good cast right there. It well, is. 
Well, I was going to say, looking at these first three shows, all three shows have decent casts. I mean, when you're talking about Pat Carroll and Michael Richards, even though, yeah, that was the era between a future installment Fridays and Seinfeld. And uh, you're looking at, at uh, Harry Morgan and, and Lois Nettleton on this. These are quality casts for the most part. Yeah, NBC was definitely spending the money to try to get talent for these 730 shows. Yeah, too bad this one only lasted four episodes, so you know we're going to cover it on a later show. Thursday was arguably the best and longest running of the five shows. Out of this world... Sorry, Donna Pesco and Joe Alasky and Doug McClure and a young actress by the name of Maureen Flanagan as a teenager born to an alien father and human mother that develops supernatural abilities on her, was it her 13th birthday or her 15th birthday? It was her 15th birthday, I believe. Okay, it was her 15th birthday. This one would go on to be the longest running of the five. Yeah, this one actually had a good life in syndication. But I'm actually very disappointed you failed to mention one actor. Oh, oh yeah. Here we go. Wait, wait, you don't even know what I'm going to say. And you're saying, I know oh, here we're we going because you mention this all the time we bring up out of this world. The voice okay. of the, the voice of the father. The oh, voice no, of not that. I'm no, not, not that. the voice of the father. See, I think I think Greg knows what I'm talking about. Yes, I know what he's talking. Well, okay, the voice of the father. Let's get that out of the way. Okay, the voice of the father was Burt Reynolds. Yeah, let's get that out of the way. No, I'm talking about uh, who was it? Was her name Edie or Evie? Is e- Evie? Evie. I, yeah. I mentioned Maureen Flanagan. No, 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 no. Ho, 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 ho. Wait a second, my friend. I'm not talking about Evie. I'm talking about Evie's boyfriend. Chris? Uh, Steve Burton. He's yeah, so Steve, dreamy. Yeah, Steve Burton, who uh, has been on General Hospital now for, gosh, probably close to 30 years. But also, true fact, true fact, I went to school with his brother, and he was my Little League baseball coach in summer of 1984. Uh, oh, boy. Is this going to be a story? That's the story. I mean, oh, okay. I can tell you how badly I did that year uh, in Little League Baseball, but nobody would care. I, I led the entire league in walks. Uh, but oh, uh, So your OBP, Mike, in 1984 Little League was fantastic. But my batting average was crap, yes. But, uh, yeah, uh, Evie's boyfriend, uh, Steve Burton, was my, uh, my Little League Baseball coach in 1984, right before he went to Los Angeles. And uh, as I said, his uh, brother, with a different last name, actually, uh, well, graduated with me, but also alphabetically was right before me in that graduating class. Oh. Yeah, I give you all the deets. Sure showed me. Okay, so that's all I wanted to add. This wasn't going to be a lecture or anything. I just thought it would be an interesting little uh, side note to stick in there. Yeah. Well, it is, well, it's it's very interesting and very sight notish. Yes, I will say, out of this world, this is definitely probably the best remembered of all the five. I mean, it's not saying much, but I mean, this is like the one of the five that was actually good. Well, this is the one of the five that's not going to be an entry. Yeah. yeah. 
It's definitely not gonna be we're not gonna be talking about the uh planet Antarius on this show anytime soon. No. Hey guys, you know what's what's gonna be on the list though? The show that aired on Friday? Yup. The second season of We Got It Made. And because it was four years after the first season, unfortunately, Matt McCoy was busy warming up to sell life insurance. So we get... No, no he was busy on the set of Police Academy 5! Oh, uh, yeah! With Janet Jones, no less! Yeah, it's not as good as Police Academy 4, I'm afraid. Oh, no, Police Academy 4 is the high note of the series. I mean, you, I mean, uh, you have David Spade in it, I mean, come on. And Tony Hawk. Tony Hawk in a cameo, too. I will fight somebody. We will go to war over Police Academy 4. It's the best. Tell him, Greg. You'd agree, too, right, Mike? Um, I'm afraid to admit this. I've never seen any Police Academy movies. What? Are are you kidding me, Mike? I, I, I wish I was, but I'm not. Oh... No. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So, well, anyway, we have the uh, second season of We Got It Made, and John Helener would be jo- would join Tom Villard and Terry Copley in the... Uh, in, I, I'm guessing it was another spacious New York high-rise, because, again, four years after the first one, you're not going to get the original one, right? Well, I don't know if you guys know who John Hilner is, but if you remember Tiny Toon Adventures, and who doesn't remember Tiny Toon Adventures? John Classic. Hilner actually voiced Michigan J. Frog. Whoa. What? Nice. That, exactly. He, he voiced Michigan J. Frog on Tiny Toon Adventures. Did not realize Michigan J. Frog was on an episode of Tiny Toon Adventures. Remember, Michigan J. Frog made appearances on Animaniacs, and uh, and obviously at that time, that's when uh, the WB was becoming a, a full fledged network. So, but yeah, I, I know that uh, there is. Uh, it, was, it looks like he was on two episodes, but uh, I remember at least one uh, Tiny Toon Adventures episode where uh, Michigan J. Frog, you know, was. Uh, yeah, it came to life and and uh, was speaking, and I think sort of scared either a little child or or some adult at the house because they thought he was just a pet, and now he starts singing, "Hello, my baby, hello, my darling." You know, he does all that stuff. Uh, yes, he had to at least be singing the Michigan rag. Had yeah. to. Everybody loves the Michigan rag. I'm sure he did that too. Yeah. So, so there you have it. That was the that was the lineup, and what and what could we say except it probably would have worked, but there was just one thing getting in its way. Actually, it's more like three things getting in its way. You know how nowadays we have the big three syndicated game shows, Wheel, Jeopardy, and Family Feud, all in prime access. Yes. I, well, we don't actually, we don't actually get Family Feud and Prime Access here, but that, that's pity, another that's another argument for another day. Yeah. Uh, so 
Well, in the 1980s, they had their own version of the Big Three. Wheel of Fortune, Jeopardy, and some show produced by Orion, created by uh, uh, Meryl Heater and Bob Quickly, called The New Hollywood Squares. Oh, I'd fight you on that one. I think another show that was even bigger than Hollywood Squares at the time, because oh, you got to oh, remember, Hollywood Squares was canceled a season later, 89. Well, two uh, seasons say, later. It was two seasons later. It was 90? No, 89. 89. I said 87. No, oh, my bad. My bad. We're talking about primetime begins at 730. It's 80. Oh, yeah. oh okay. I know. 89, okay. 89 would be a season later. Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, I, I know where Mike is going with this. Math people, please. Okay. So as I was saying, I actually think there would be a bigger show than, uh, than Hollywood Squares that would be airing in that time slot. Plus also Hollywood Squares here aired at like. I want to say 5.30. The show I'm thinking of is Entertainment Tonight. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Barry Hart, John Tesh. Come on. What more needs to be said right there? Exactly. So you had those shows getting in the way of primetime starting at 7.30. And as a result, uh, Marblehead Manor, we got it made, and you can't take it with you. We're canceled. After the seasons ended, with she's the she's the sheriff lasted for another year afterwards in weekend syndication, and out of this world would go on like we said to last another three seasons. Again, mostly on weekends. I I remember uh, growing up in uh, Central California. We would get the uh, we would actually get the uh, feeds from KTLA in Central California. They ended up airing all of Out of This World with a block of the Monsters Today and My Secret Identity. We but, don't have My Secret Identity on the list. I don't think. I know oh. we have the new Monsters or the Monsters Today, but I don't think My Secret Identity is on there. I don't well, even last, know. I don't. Last know. three good years. How could it possibly be on there unless I, I were to? I don't know. Put it on the list right now. I I don't, guys. I don't know what My Secret Identity is. Uh, Derek McGrath. Derek McGrath as a as a crackpot inventor that invents a machine that gives Jerry O'Connell superpowers. Oh, of course, of course, this would involve Jerry O'Connell. Of course, darn kids. But uh, but it's a similar uh, situation as to what aired here in Cleveland. Uh, if I remember correctly, it aired Saturday afternoons. I want to say probably in the like five o'clock range or or six o'clock range. And it aired with uh, other shows like uh, um, like Mama's Family, which would have been wrapping up right about that time in 89, 90-ish. And um, it didn't air with Munsters Today or uh, What a Country. Oh, another entry, What a Country. But syndication back 30 years ago, the weekends were just loaded with first-run comedies. And then, yep. I mean, and that even goes back like a good number of years before then because you had shows like like what's happening now. Yeah. And that had a good three year run. Well, guys, do you know what show premiered in first run syndication in 1987? That would be the big monster hit in first run syndication for the next couple of years after that. 
Ooh, ooh, ooh. Me, me, I got an idea, too, me, but I'll let me, Chico me, answer. Me, 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 me. Pick me. Pick me. Chico. Star Trek The Next Generation. Yes. Oh, you see, I wasn't going to answer that. I was going to say uh, Harry and the Hendersons. You shut your mouth, Mike Klaus. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Also, I was going to say, honey, I shrunk the kids. But that wouldn't be 87. That, I think, is closer to 88 or 89. Well, the movie would have been 89. Right, right. But, yeah, then it went to TV sometime thereafter. But uh, still, my answers weren't as good as the correct answer. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, well, I can say from my experience, in the, even though I was three years old at the time that this aired, I can say, at least from New York, because I'm trying to think, at the time... I know Entertainment Tonight, would, which was on Channel 7, pre-87, moved to Channel 9 here, which was WWOR at, in eight, sometime around 87. And then because Entertainment Tonight used to air at like 7.30, because Jeopardy had, had um, in 86 moved from 4 o'clock on Channel 7 to... 7 o'clock at Channel 7, which remains to this day, because the Oprah Winfrey show obviously premiered at 4 o'clock. There was a spot that was open at 7.30, and you can probably guess what replaced uh, Entertainment Tonight on Channel 7 at 7.30. That would be Wheel of Fortune. Yes, because Wheel of Fortune originally in syndication in New York aired on WCBS Channel 2, and it's basically remained the same at 7 o'clock, for the last, oh, I don't know, about 32, 33 years. Jeopardy at 7, Wheel of Fortune at 7.30. We looked at the block, and we know it failed. And we could get into why. But I found an interesting article from the archives of the Washington Post here. Oh, I can I see it right here. And NBC slime time starts at 7.30. Yeah. No, that's a, no Tom Shales, that, that's not for like another year. <laughs> but yeah, um, apparently it gives us some numbers here. It was produced. Each of the each of those sitcoms were produced for three hundred thousand to three hundred fifty thousand per episode, which is about a hundred thousand less than the standard tape network sitcom. But the pr- but according to this article, that's not the problem. The problem is that all five shows tend to be underdeveloped and overacted. Performers chew the scenery's to tatters, then threaten to nibble on the wardrobe. Which is a fair assessment for, I would say, four of the five shows. I'm sorry, it, it, I know I'm a little biased because of the, the Steve Burton connection, but, I mean, there's a reason Out of This World lasted, you know, four seasons. A, it was really cheap to produce, and B, C, A. It was a good show. I mean, mean, it it wasn't as corny as She's the Sheriff or Marblehead Manor or We've Got It Made. I mean, it was a decent show. Ah, okay. I liked it. I mean, again, uh, keeping my bias out of it, it was one of the shows that I watched quite a bit when I was growing up in the late 80s slash early 90s. And again, not because of the Steve Burton connection. Let's just say Mike was of a certain age and so was Maureen Flanagan. 
That is not incorrect. <laughs> we we look we looked at the I'm looking at the reviews of all of the shows. Uh, Marblehead Manor was called a stale, bland hash of slapstick, a double entendre about a rich family and its dippy servants. And upstairs, downstairs for the unthinking. You can't take it with you. Feebly updates the classic 30 stage play by Kaufman and Hart. This time, the characters have not really rejected the competitive rat race birth by the characters in the play. They're just a tribe of wackies who loll around the house. Out of this world, best of the motley lot, returns that chipper sweetheart Donna Pesco, who, by the way, was my first TV crush, to series television, this time as a woman who, 14 years earlier, married an alien from outer space and gave birth to a daughter by him or it. You're not wrong about Donna Pescow. Oh my gosh, she was so adorable. And she probably still is, but yeah, she she was a darling back on uh on uh, Out of This World back in 87. I got to give I got to say something guys. I find it incredible Donna Pescow and Burt Reynolds could produce a kid as beautiful as Evie was on that show. Indeed. That's very impressive. Hey, aliens can do anything. She's the sheriff, the most publicized of the pack, brings Suzanne Summers back to series TV, but not precisely in a big way, because she, at the last minute, replaced another actress in the lead role, because apparently Annie Potts wanted too much money. Annie Potts? Really? That was not the name I was expecting. Well, it was, well, the pilot dates back to 1982, so... Oh, yes. Uh, I don't even... Was it a pilot or a series? Because when I was looking up the information, it made it sound like it was a series on CBS, not just a pilot. I think it was originally a pilot for CBS. Yeah, it was a pilot for CBS. Annie Potts was dropped in favor of Carolyn McWilliams, who had just left Benson at the time. That show was not picked up to series. She's the Sheriff was to star Priscilla Barnes. Wow. Now, oh my gosh. You can't write that. You can't make this shit up, ladies and gentlemen. Wow. And now you know. And knowing is blah, 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 blah. And on Fridays, the reviews of We've Got It Made, it basically said... Oh, sorry. I keep saying we've got it made, but that's gr- that grammatically correct. However, that's not the title of the show. It's we got it made. And all it says was one of the worst sitcoms in modern history. Oh, but but oh, just read what Tom Shales has to say about uh, America's ass from 1983. Uh, I've got it right here. Villard, a cross between Tom Hanks and Gail Storm, mugs, leaps, grimaces, squawks, and drools his way through the lowbrow hijinks. He well may win this year's competition for television's most consistently irritating imbecile. Scientists should begin at work at once on a vaccine to prevent him. Oh, come on, Tom Shales. No, that's well-deserved. That describes Tom Villard to a T. There's a, there's a reason why we call him America's ass, but that's another show for another day. Yeah, with all due respect to Chris Evans. 
And by that, we mean no respect to Chris Evans. Oh, come on, Mike. Hey, Chris Evans was in Snowpiercer. The movie or the upcoming TV no, show? No, the movie. Oh, okay. Because you know there's another... Anyway. There is a TV show about Snowpiercer. And by the way, I'm not, there's something I found out about Snowpiercer, but I'm not going to share it on this. I'm going to wait for a future episode. So there you, so there you go. Uh, a short-lived, well, in, well, in, do we even want to call it a well-intentioned uh, enterprise? No. Uh, if it was more well-intentioned, they probably would have either had better shows or spent more money on it because you said it was about three hundred to three hundred fifty thousand dollars an episode, which was about a hundred thousand less than other half-hour comedies. So, I mean, that's 25% less budget. So, you know, that might mean not as good writers or... Again, the actors, the names they got were great for these shows. But also, as we mentioned earlier, the competition against Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune and Entertainment Tonight and the different offerings you had in that uh, 7.30 time slot, uh, depending on... Uh, you know your your city and your uh, their budget for that time slot just absolutely mutilated it. Yep, uh, I remember when this was airing um, on one on one channel here in North Carolina. It was airing Wheel Fortune and Jeopardy. On another channel, it was airing Entertainment Tonight. On a third channel, they were airing the Newlywed Game and the Dating Game. So, yeah, that you're talking about one, two, three, four, five big entries into 80 syndication, and you cannot find a place for this on our lineup, I'm afraid. No. Ow, indeed. So, in Cleveland, for the uh, 7 to 8 o'clock hour in 1987-88, you had Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy on WEWS, which is where it was at until like 2011, 2012, when it moved to WOIO at the same time spot. So for the last 36 years or so, Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy has been the seven to eight hour somewhere in that order. And then on WJK, I believe it was WJKW. It wasn't WJW at the time. Uh, you had the CBS Evening News because the local news was an hour-long broadcast at 6, and then you had PM Magazine. And uh, on WOIO19, which was a relatively new channel at the time, you had reruns of Soap and Hogan's Heroes. But here on uh, Channel 3 WKYC, the NBC affiliate, you had the news at 7. You had the news at 7, then you had whatever comedy at 8... Primetime begins at 7.30 block. Actually bumped Entertainment Tonight from WKYC for that year. Entertainment Tonight actually moved to WEWS at 11.30 at night versus The Tonight Show. But then after all this happened, probably around 89.90, Entertainment Tonight came back to, to WKYC at the 7.30 p.m. time slot. And that's where it's been ever since for the last 30 years. Uh, it didn't return in 88 because 7.30 on Channel 3 in 88-89 and 89-90 and maybe even 90-91 was Ray Combs Family Feud. Okay. 
Because if I'm not mistaken, uh, that the Family Feud didn't start syndication until that fall. Right? Fall of '88, yes, yeah. Because uh, we didn't. I don't think in the beginning our area got Family Feud on CBS when it got revived in mid '88. And I, my first exposure to it was the syndicated version, which I'm pretty sure debuted '88, '89. Definitely, it was on '89, '90. But I thought it started '88. And you see, Win, Lose, or Draw, I thought, was on at 7.30 as well, because that was the hyped-up show of, of 87, 88 in terms of game shows. And Win, Lose, or Draw aired at 5.30 here. We, we had a nice little game show block on NBC at the time. Newlywood game, High Rollers, Squares, and uh, Win, Lose, or Draw from 4 to 6. Well, prime time at 7.30. It arrived at, a, at, a, it arrived at an interesting time. One would say it was before its time. If it could have creeped up, what, two or three years, maybe relegated itself to weekends, it would have been perhaps moderately successful. But instead, prime time at 7.30. You wouldn't believe it, but in 1987... It was a thing on TV. Mm -hmm. You know where else primetime doesn't start at 7.30? Where? Anytime you want to listen to our podcast, feel free to go to www.itwasathingontv.com. And we've got the scoop on, oh, we've done over 60 episodes now, so there's plenty of stuff to listen to if you're still stuck at home like a number of us, or even if you're working and... You need a little sign to listen to, to the, on your commute. Uh, all right. plus, yeah, plus also uh, we have social media presences at Facebook and Instagram and Tumblr and Jack Dorsey's hate box. Yes. And uh, the Jack Dorsey's hate box, we've posted quite a bit there the last number of days. Yes, we have, it's including a teaser about What's coming up next? Mm -hmm. Uh-huh, yes. And some of you will get it, but if you don't, we still love you. Of course we do. We're going to wrap things up with a little round of eBay Prices Right. We're not going to talk about this show on a future installment. We might as well, you know, get some mileage out of it. Okay, Mike, Greg, you are bidding on an out-of-this-world script. Oh? Written by April Kelly. The episode is Good Night, Sweetheart, Good Night. Or as it would later be called, Till Then. It is an authentic, it's an authentic script from Bob Booker Productions of Universal City, California, and it is dated 1987. Okay. It, is it autographed in any way, or it uh... is not autographed in any way? Oh dang! Okay. I was All hoping right. like it, it would have like Joe Lasky's autograph on it, or something. I don't. I wish. And you know, Joe Lasky's not with us anymore. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Sad. Very sad. But hey, 
He was in Space Jam. He was indeed in Space Jam. Just to tie it in with The Last Dance. And future entry cash potatoes. Ah. Okay, what are my bids? I will go with $86 and 48 cents. Mike? One dollar, Bob. Okay, the actual buy it now price for this script of out of its uh, of out of this world from 1987 is $200. Yeah! What? It's not signed, but it is going for $200. I don't get it myself, but whatever. Those are the same people that are paying $9,500 for those hand puppets of Wilkins and Wonkins. <laughs> hey, hey, I'll tell you what. It's, it's no uh, no uh, glossy press photo of Mr. Smith, Bobo, and Leonard Fry. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> oh, boy. I know he's going to go there. Oh, either that or the picture of Simon McCorkendale with the Falcon. <laughs> And with that disappointment, we'd just like to remind you, like and subscribe, and sharing is caring. And we'll be back later this week. I'm sorry, I can't get over Greg doing that. <laughs> and, and, and we'll be back later this week with another episode of It Was a Thing on TV. We put a little teaser on our Twitter. Uh, maybe it'll give away too much information, maybe it won't, but we'll leave it to you to determine... Uh, whether it's enough information. And uh, for now, hey, Greg, do Simon McCorkendale screeching. Row! Thank you. Home, home, come on home, come on home to NBC. Hey, check it out, we got a fresh idea. Talking comedy to make the whole house cheer. The time's the key, you're hearing it right. Primetime moves at 7.30 at night. Watching primetime early on NBC!